Last week was an April Fool's special. The more aware of you out there may have noticed that I dropped a subtle April Fool's during the podcast last week. Did you get what it was, Gareth? Uh, yeah, it was that bit about um, me getting that Zelda prediction right, not being a big deal. No, 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 not that one. Don? Oh. <laughs> uh, it's the one where, God, you, you kind of claim you've still got a girlfriend. No, it was my announcement regarding the nuclear bomb dropping in London. Oh, see, I thought that had happened because I no, went no. to London today and it looked like shit. <laughs> so congratulations if you spotted that. Make sure you join us next April the 1st for some more April Fool shenanigans. Welcome to the Game Central podcast. Unfortunately, a zombie apocalypse has only just gone and broken out, but luckily the Game Central team you know and love has managed to makeshift a studio from the Capitol Radio building in central London. With our combined skills, hopefully, we should be able to make it through. I do hope Gareth comes back. Didn't look too good out there when he offered to go out and try and get us some food. He's been out about two hours. There was a Tesco Express only down the road. He isn't used to London, but it really shouldn't take this long. Oh, man, I'm thirsty. Hoping he can carry enough bottles of water. As long as he gets a few bottles, we should be fine for now. Canned food, peaches, vegetables, pasta. I just hope he gets back in one piece. Hang on a minute. Is that him down there? It is. He's been chased by a few zombies. Shit, Gareth, hurry! Gareth, run! Shit, he's about to fall over a wheelie bin. Oh, awesome, he just flipped over it. Whilst he was flipping, he managed to kick a zombie right in the face. Shit, there are parked cars all over the place. And he's just gracefully jumping over them as if they were not even there. Hair blowing in the wind behind him. Quick, Gareth, get in! <laughs> Fuck, that was close. Uh, you okay? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did it. Did you, was anyone watching? I did some awesome flippy shit back there. I don't think anyone else saw it apart from me. Oh, and no one will believe you. Yeah. I suppose. Oh. Have you been bitten? No, no. You haven't been in contact with any zombies, have you? No. Even sexually? Of course not. I, you know, I mean, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't bring bring that shit in here. No. Gareth? Hmm? Sexually? No, come on. Gareth, what did you get? Well... Hey, quick! You won't, you won't... Oh my God, what's this? A bag full of steaks? Well, the butcher's table was completely unattended. Oh, oh my god, steaks. Look at it, it's disgusting. I told you to go to the supermarket and find something that would see us through. Yeah. I know you steak, I know you do. And you can't get in a tin form. But this really is ridiculous now, Gareth. But, you see, the thing is, I was on my way to the supermarket, right down the road, Tesco Express, you told me. And I, you know, I was thinking about that, but then on the way there, there's just the smell of rotting flesh right in the air just had me... Oh. Salivating. Well, food runs so far. One a week. Week one, steaks. Fair enough. Week two, again, steaks. Rotten. Couldn't eat them. And don't you dare let me see you eating them this week, Gareth, because I saw you trying last week. Yeah. And you know what? You know, that's not even the thing that bothers me. You've let me and Don down, but most of all, you've let yourself down. Don, speaking of Don. Yeah, well, where is he? Uh, I have some bad news. Oh. Last night. 
Don found out his girlfriend had been eaten. He chucked her out when he found out it was me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh. But we laugh, uh, Gareth. Don't laugh in front of him. It, it's important it to keep your chin up in this zombie apocalypse. It did, and I certainly did. He didn't seem too happy when he left this morning looking for something to do whilst we hold up in it. That's him, he's back anyway. Shh, just don't mention it. Okay. All right, Don. Oh, fellas. Oh, what doing? did you get? Well, uh, what did I get? Don't you know it's very limited power and energy? Well, I can't leave my PS4 behind and my saves are on it. My Destiny fucking out, like 24 straight days I spent on Destiny. And I can't leave that behind. I'm not giving that up. Multiplayer FIFA, what would that be quality? <laughs> really lift the spirits that would. Few racing games, that's quality. What else did you bring other than Destiny? <laughs> uh, I got some porno mags. No. Nice to grab them. Some fiestas. A couple of club, the club internationals. Let me have a look. That's really old-fashioned. They've got bushes. Yeah, I, you know, I like the natural look. I prefer the oh, classics. You guys are absolutely useless. We've got rotting steak, pool magazines, and Destiny with no electricity. In fairness, <laughs> though, we do have like 80 discs of Destiny, so that, that's like basically weapons right there. Suppose we can throw them at the zombies. But luckily, I've come to the rescue, and somehow. Don't ask me how, it's a bit of a long shot, but for some reason on my way here, I bumped into the composer of the Dying Light soundtrack, Pavel Blaschmerin, and I was able to rescue him. Luckily, he's not shaken too badly, and he's able to answer some questions on his inspirations and how he went about putting together the soundtrack to Dying Light. So, guys, that's a bit of a coincidence, isn't it? But what a coincidence. It's, yeah. uh, Join it's like like Providence, it. almost. Yeah. Bumping into the creator of the Dying Light soundtrack. Um, it's Polish, but where, was on a day trip to London. Where is he then? Uh, he's coming in shortly. He just said he had to go and get some uh, stuff at the Polsky Sklep. Oh, I hope uh, he's careful out there. I know, tell me about it. So let's drop this dispension of disbelief for a moment as I tell you what we have coming up on today's show. First up, we start off with Don's post-apocalyptic hot gossip everything you wanted to know about zombies, walkers, biters in the world of video games. And then we look at the main stories to happen in gaming just before the wipeout of humanity. Then, if we haven't been overrun, eating before then, we'll be speaking to Paul Blaschmiller about his work on Dying Light. And finally, we'll be rounding up our gaming experiences by discussing the games we have been playing this week. Hopefully, Don won't just walk off halfway through speaking about the greatness that is Bloodborne. And if he does manage to, hopefully it will be a lot more concise and to the point than his clumsy word fumbling of last week. Did he think Bloodborne was good? Bad? Who knows? But on to the hot, apocalyptic gossip of the week. Right, so hot post apocalyptic goss hip. Uh, at you right now, uh, Don. Before the world ends, what is hot in this world right now? <laughs> well, uh, 
absolutely you won't even believe this. Um, <coughs> last week we spoke about how uh, Mr. Hideo Kojima had uh, buggered off to Nintendo, uh, been swiped up by them to work on some new shit. Well, he seems to be taking it quite seriously. Um, he oh. uh, <laughs> very seriously. I mean, uh, he's. Uh, it would appear either he's still working also on Silent Hills or his next game is going to be some kind of monster survival zombie type game because uh, it turns out he's been spotted uh, in London no less uh, in the last Survivor zombie experience day uh, wow. as a zombie he's apparently now, taken up some work as one of the zombies in the zombie experience if there's someone that doesn't like foreigners coming over here and experiencing our zombie experiences it's gareth now gareth what do you think about this? should people just be able to come over willy-nilly and experience these kind of things or should it be for british people only well that's the uh, the british uh zombies they're putting in their british labor for the enjoyment of british punters you want to get britain by british zombies exactly well, well to be fair he's a japanese zombie so he's if there's anyone who's a bit zombie racist, they're going to be uh, loving it, aren't they? Yeah, be... they are. Yep. Uh, so he's performing. Is it kind of like what uh, Gareth uh, Christian Bale will do before his big movie parts, where he tries exactly. to get into? He seems to be really kind of. He wants to get into the soul. Not they have one of a zombie to really get to know what it's like being a zombie. So maybe his next game is going to be from the perspective of the zombie. Um, quite interesting. Who knows? Who knows of him? You never know what he's going to do next. He's a maverick. I, I just hope <clears> that'll get that, six. But yeah, I just hope that his next game, he doesn't look at it from the zombie's point of view. Maybe more of a human element, isn't it, Gareth? <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be a really new idea. It's not really been yeah. explored yet. Because we know what happens with the zombies, don't we? But yeah. it's the humans. They're more, they could be, at times, funny enough, don't know if you know this or not, the humans can actually be more dangerous than the zombies themselves. Wait, are you saying humanity is the real threat? I am, Gareth. And if only someone could harness that and put it into a form of entertainment. You're going to be a millionaire. Right, so... <laughs> the news this week, Gareth, there's some bloody Nintendo news that's come out right about now, isn't there, uh, on the verge of the apocalypse. Uh, first, we're looking at Yoshi's Woolly World. Uh, that's got a release date. Could there be anything more cutesy, more huggable than a Woolly Yoshi? Uh, well, no. we already know you don't like uh, Woolly Kitties from that intro. No, there we <laughs> go. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, um, I don't think... I think... The only thing cuter than a fluffy Yoshi is the fact that you could hold one in your hand. Yeah. Because that amiibo it. does look cute as fuck. It does. And, and uh, the, the way you say it as cute as fuck, as well, <laughs> it's, it's very lovely. That's uh, how all the five-year-olds around the world are going to be describing them to their mothers. That is it. Mom, I want one of those, those woolly Yoshis. They're cute as fuck. Cute as That's fuck. Oh, cute Gareth. Mummy, cute as fuck. <laughs> Oh, mummy, mummy, fuck. Um, so, Gareth, when is Yoshi's Woolly World coming out? Well, I am just waiting for this to load. Oh, <laughs> so, it just makes you sick, doesn't it? The suspense uh, the may indeed kill true. some of our listeners. And okay, if it does, well, stay away from your loved ones. Sorry that I spoke over it. It's quite uh, But uh, the 26th of June, so not long to wait now, Gareth. Gareth, talking about the Wii U and games you can purchase... 
Uh, you still playing Smash Brothers? Uh, now and then. Now and then. When Is our that friends over, ever at all. I'd say maybe once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Okay, once every two weeks. But what if I told you that for only three pounds fifty nine, you could experience Super Smash Brothers through the eyes of Mewtwo from the Pokemon series? I'd say that is not that much money. It's not. For potentially what it is. And, you know, it's not just seeing it from everyone else's point of view. It's Mewtwo. What makes Mewtwo click? Because sometimes in these games, it's not the actual uh, Mario and that that's dangerous. It's Mewtwo. And I don't know Mewtwo. What's Mewtwo like as a character, Gareth? Well, (laughs) so this is kind of the, the weird thing about this whole thing. Is that so? Mewtwo was the final character you could unlock in Super Smash Brothers Melee, um, and he's pretty cool. He can charge up a giant ball of shadow energy, or he can like throw people around. But ultimately, he wasn't very powerful because he was really slow, and like all his attacks are a bit weird. And yeah. so Nintendo released a trailer to show like, here's Mewtwo. He's in action. Look at. Look at all his moves. And all his moves are the exact same moves from oh. Super Smash Bros. Melee. Which Sick, is very disappointing because he had, I would, would count, three moves that you could easily change without yeah. like hurting the character. If anything, you would help him. Like One of his moves, if you press down a B, he'll just put somebody to sleep for like half a second. And that's <laughs> lame as fuck. And they've kept and that in. What? Why, what? <laughs> What about him causes people to go to sleep? Is he, is he magic? Or is he just sprinkle some fairy dust in their eyes? He's a psychic Pokemon. He, Let's see. He's probably using hypnosis. Um, but then if you use it again on him whilst they're asleep, they'll go flying backwards a tiny little bit. That's a bit better. I like that. So there's that. And his forward and B, he like holds his hand out for a second and he can reflect things. Ooh. Or if somebody stood right next to him, he'll make him a bit do like a backflip. like an indie game. Almost. It is like an indie game. Uh, they also showed uh, Lucas from uh, the same games as Ness. And he has all the same moves as in Brawl. And they also added a ballot feature to their website. So you can uh, go onto the Smash Bros. website and uh, write in whatever character you think should be in Smash Bros. next. And they might add in the character you pick. So that's pretty cool. Cool. <laughs> you buy um, Yoshi's Woolly World before that uh, in June you can buy Splatoon in May yeah uh, you're looking forward to this aren't you Don Splatoon looks awesome yeah you it's play it? one of those games that they announced last year that look, just look fucking wicked yeah so, yep, do you two need to watch your language when you're talking about Wii U games it's absolutely really? disgusting you got well, Gareth saying fucking cute this Oh, Splatoon's <laughs> fucking awesome. You know, use, use it a little I bit. I know, it's almost like we're adults. I don't know. I, I think Splatoon looks pretty shit, to be honest. Oh. No, you say that about all everything, <laughs> Nintendo, just before you even play it. It looks really fun. It looks brilliant. It looks like a Super Mario Sunshine mod. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, okay. It's got all the uh, all the liquidy effects and you know the water. Uh, it, it looks like the exact that, same but... tech from Mario well, Sunshine, like it's ten not. years. And ago, Mario but... Sunshine was a great Mario game. It was. 
I really like that. He got slagged off quite a lot, but I yeah. thought it was pretty decent. Well, there you go. But no, um, it looks it's quite exciting. It looks like a really fun multiplayer game, and Nintendo's first foray, first foray really into this kind of Nintendo-style shooter. Looks uh, no, it's cool. I'm well yeah. up. Uh, well, Mario Kart 8 will receive a large update later this month, which will get you playing it again, won't it, Gareth? Don, whatever your name is. <laughs> the second DLC pack introducing playable Animal Crossing players. Yep, they It's great, aren't they? And I've been playing Animal Crossing, and a lot of them players don't... Uh, a lot of the people, a lot of the residents, they don't seem to have much character, if I'm being honest. Okay? Right. Good. <laughs> first N64 and DS games included Mario Kart and <laughs> Mario 64 and are available on the Wii U eShop now there was a few GameCube games wasn't it that went up but now we're looking at uh, Mario 64 and Kart DS you said Mario Kart DS Gareth is do you want to say it again it's the <laughs> best Mario Kart there we go Wrong. well done Yep. Well, you can now buy that, Gareth, and play it on your Wii U. Wow. Do I need yeah. money to buy it? Uh, well, I'm not sure. You might have to ask Nintendo. Uh, okay. Both games will be 25% off in their launch weeks, but there doesn't have to. There isn't actually a price that they'll be, but they'll be out in the 16th of April and the 30th of April. You can guess which one's which. But uh, we don't know what the prices are, Gareth. All you know is that if you buy it within the first week, you're going to get a 25% discount. Okay. But I already own it on the DS, so... Doesn't matter. Just buy it again because you're okay. a Nintendo fan. Right. Quantum Break. This isn't Nintendo, by the way, because <laughs> uh, it looks like it's a violent game. It's uh, officially delayed until 2016 on Xbox One. Now, this Ooh. is quite interesting news because... You know, when a game gets delayed, it's quite big news, isn't it, Don? And for Quantum Break to slip to 2016, quite a few games have been slipping recently. But, you know, we like to tell you about things slipping and things being delayed because we do find this important in the gaming landscape. And for a game this important to kind of slip into 2016 is big, big news. True. I'm yeah. surprised this game is still coming out at all, to be honest. Yeah, why is that going on? Uh, it's it, well, a it, it's just been so long in development. It's like the longer it takes for something like this to happen, the less chance there is of it actually finally happening. And plus, the gameplay we've seen of it so far it seems incredibly generic and done before. Yeah. It's it seems to have suffering. Looks like it's going to suffer from the same problems as Rise, Son of Rome, and The Order eighteen eighty six, and that they're just yeah. really basic games covered up with really sparkly graphics um, and I suspect that half the reason this is taking so long is because they're trying to work out how to disguise that fact as much as possible yeah, um, yeah so I was looking forward to it when it got very, the very first time it was announced it looked pretty cool, the old uh, time yeah. shift mechanic, but now it just seems like it's just it's, it's just another gimmick that actually they're calling it you know time shift or whatever but it's just another way of doing something you've done in other games before. Yeah. Which is a shame, because the premise is good. But, you know, people are starting to be a bit more... When it comes to games like this, where we saw with the old order and stuff like that, and this backlash that they had, they're starting to see, you know, maybe it's not a bad idea to just push games uh, back. There have been quite a few high-profile yeah. cases, like The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt has been pushed back. You've got, like... Uh, 
Yeah. But Dying Light that... was pushed back a few weeks. True. But then mm. the other problem you get with games that were announced like way early on in the uh, uh, announcement of the new uh, these current gen of consoles uh, is that the games that were designed for them back then are going to even when they do get released they might be polished to a nice shiny sheen but yeah. they're going to suffer from the fact that there's been other games that have come along since those have been announced that just have taken a new concept and completely blown them out of the water because they're mm. working on a concept that they developed started developing four or five years ago. Um, on older software when they first started it, oh, sorry, older platforms when they first started working on it, older technology, and now they're having to try and play catch up essentially because it's taken so long for this game to come out that it seems old fashioned before it's even got yeah. to uh, got to the shops. So that's the real well, problem they have with the, you know the longer these things take to come out. Talk about old fashioned stuff. Uh, on live is to cease operations. Now, for anyone that didn't know what on live was. It was kind of like a system that offered you streaming games, so you wouldn't actually own the games physically, but it would kind of be like a subscription model, kind of like what you get for Sky TV and stuff, but for games. Now, I didn't know it was still going on. I thought it had been eradicated long ago, but uh, it is to officially cease, uh, and it has been bought up by Sony or something, Gareth. Yeah, um, some of its specific patents have been bought by Sony. Um, so they said, didn't it actually um, go bust though? Isn't that that's they kind of run out of money, and so Sony were able to just buy up whatever they wanted. Yeah, basically, they said various assets, including its U.S. and foreign patent portfolio, covering <laughs> its substantial innovations in cloud gaming, uh, have been bought. Yeah, so it seems like Sony may have bought some very important patent, which was like fundamental to the business. Uh, well, so they just have to completely shut down. But they probably made so, quite a bit of money out of it. Yeah, and if you've still got a on live box, you can just look at it and stuff like that. You don't need to play <laughs> games with it. Uh, it's just it's free. Call of Duty Black Ops 3 has potentially, so this is the potential of a rumour, Gareth, teased by Treyarch. Now, we, did, I mean, we didn't mind Black Ops, did we? Uh, Black Ops happens to be Guy Whitlock's favourite. Uh, he, he went on about how good it was, but I think even in a story sense, it was still quite strong. And I'd be quite interested to pick up uh, where the Black Ops 2 left off. Yeah, it was kind of weird. Like, even though it was just set in, like, what was it, like, Vietnam. For yeah. some reason, Call of Duty fans proper clung on to Black Ops. Like, when Black Ops 2 came out, people just wouldn't show up about that game. They were still playing yeah. it, like, when Modern Warfare... Uh, sorry, Advanced Warfare came out. Yeah. Um, like, people, for whatever <coughs> reason, just have proper clung to the Black Ops name and love it. It seems to be the, the darling love child, doesn't it, of the Call of Duty franchise. Yeah, which is really weird because it's, you know, the Modern Warfare games were them trying to do something new and Black Ops was kind of going back a bit, you know, taking it back to uh, an older war where there's yeah. less technology and stuff. I think we're ready to go back there now, Gareth. I think so. I think uh, Back. They're definitely more ambitious with their storytelling in those games, and I mean, patching in uh, the QR codes back into Black Ops Two that lead to a Snapchat uh, account is pretty yeah. pretty forward thinking for a Call of Duty game. So, it gives Very you a bit cool. of hope, you know? Yeah, and um, yeah, like I say, the stories were interesting as well in Black Ops One and Two. The numbers, uh, Mason. What do the numbers mean? Someone's had a flashback. <laughs> See what I mean? It's that kind of thing, and the flashbacks. And Mason was having flashbacks. And uh, your, your, I think your uh, impression there of Captain Birdseye 
was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Uh, the Witcher 3, Wild Cunt, getting two <laughs> massive expansions. Now, um, that is, did they say that they're all going to be free? They're going to be free, aren't they, all the expansion packs? Yeah, they, well, the, the devs were saying they, they didn't like the way that everything was getting monetized with DLC these days. They like the old-fashioned yeah. way, so they like... We're going to give as much as where as possible for free. And that's nice. Uh, yeah. Promising a new 10-hour-plus adventure. It's all well and good saying that, but when we haven't actually played the game itself, you know, it's hard to get excited about, isn't it? Mm. Uh, they seem to know what all of this expansion is. So well, apparently one's coming out in 2016 uh, and one's coming out this October. Yeah. So they seem they've even got prices for them. Uh, Hearts of Stone will be seven pounds. We know they hate monetizing things, Don. And uh, the second one, Blood and Wine, will be coming out for fourteen pounds, which is not free, is it? That's not free at all, really. That's, that's almost the opposite of free. That is the like exact. They've, they've misunderstood what free really means. I think they do, but they're trying to say they're trying to say, look, guys. It may cost a bit. You know, I know we said we're going to give it away for free. We told a few porky pies. But what you'll find in these games is more content and more longevity in some standalone games. So that's how they justify lying to you, Don. <laughs> Specifically to you. Well, as long as they've justified the lie, then that's fine. Yeah. Uh, do you remember the days when games used to ship on many a disc? Well... I, I remember getting... Uh... Secret Monkey Island 2 on 12 discs for the Amiga. Wow. Yep. Wow, what about you, Gareth? What's the most discs you've ever had? Um, let's see. Those Lord of the Rings uh, collector oh, edition, they came on like five discs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done, Gareth. But the PC <laughs> version of GTA 5 will reportedly ship on seven discs. How does that... How does that even work, Gareth? If you're a PC guy, would you have to install them all? or uh, What would probably happen is you'd put in disk one and it'd start installing. Then at a certain point in the install, it'd say, please insert disk two. And then it'd do that. And then at a certain point, it'd say, please insert disk three. And it'd keep right. doing that up until disk right. seven, I imagine. Are these Blu-rays or DVDs? Uh, they'll probably be Blu-rays, I'd imagine. Fucking hell. Are you kidding me? So... Jesus Christ. So imagine downloading this game. You need a fucking hard drive just for this game. Well, like, yeah. Elder Scrolls Online is 80 gigs, so... Yeah. That's the kind of the standard. That's absolutely... Well, even so, I mean, five... What was it? Well, did you say five discs for this? Seven. Seven. Seven yeah. times yes. 50. But we fucking don't know. Hell. There's a picture... That's, that's your entire hard drive gone. And that's before the installs unpacked itself. <laughs> and yeah, but <laughs> it's just a picture. It may, may or may not be... True, it oh, could be a collector's God, I edition. Hope it's true. I hope you know, it is. Some it's of them could hilarious. Be. Yeah, Gareth would get upset. But <laughs> right. have either of you played Five Nights at Freddy's? Because no. it seems to no. be incredibly popular. Um, and I don't know much about it. I've sort of seen Let's Plays where you get idiots screaming and stuff like that, pretending they're scared. Um, but Gareth, this seems to be a game that started off on PC and has gone over to consoles. Uh, and now it's been picked up for a movie. Yeah, it's kind of insane. Um, it's just a game where you 
click a few things in order to scare off uh, animatronic animals, I guess you'd call them. Yeah. Would you say it was more like a Mega CD game? Because that's what it looks like when I, I look at it. It's kind of this FMV sort of cheap game where you press things to interact with certain things, like Night Trap. Yeah, it does have that about it. You're just scanning through CCTV footage until you see something's moving, then you quickly like shut a door to stop it coming towards you. Uh, but it it seems to be very involved with jump scares, and it has a very um, iconic look to it. Like any of the creepy uh, animatronic animals in it look pretty awesome, and yeah. you can see them definitely being in their own film. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's very nice. Uh, Gareth, you normally talk about video game soundtracks. And 12 video game soundtracks made Classic FM's 2015 Hall of Fame. You must be so proud of yourself. (laughs) Gareth, this is down to you. If it wasn't for you, this wouldn't have happened. Uh, I don't know that it's all down to me. (laughs) You're so humble. Yeah. Um, no. No, if it weren't for you, people wouldn't even know that video game music existed. Before me, video sure. games were all silent movies. They were. Yeah. So what's happened, Gareth? Fill us in on this. Uh, well, last year uh, we managed to get eight into the Hall of Fame. This year we got twelve, so we've increased our amount by fifty percent, which is pretty awesome. And you do realise more... by saying we and stuff like it sounds like you do genuinely believe that it was you. We as the video game community. I know you both voted because I was going on about it for weeks, so you obviously both must have. We Uh, voted for the opposite of video game soundtracks. Oh, you voted for the Hollyoaks theme tune. Yeah, I love that theme tune. Actually, (laughs) Neighbours. Neighbours. Who used to watch Neighbours? The thing was, I get really confused about, and this does sort of tie into what we're talking about, is back in the day, a lot of people watched Neighbours and Home and Away, or either or. You know, why was that, Gareth? Uh, the same reason there are two teams in Manchester, and it's wrong to support one over the other. Yeah. You know, it's just some why people like so to fight. Well, uh, I know one had Madge in it. Yeah, that was Neighbours. <laughs> okay, well that was uh... the best one then. There you go. But what was it, Don? What was it about this Australian side that really sort of (laughs) Neighbours was was a beautiful thing. It was aspirational. It was inspirational. Mm -hmm. It was exciting, thrilling. I mean, the first episode alone that had a stripper called Daphne in it. What more do you want? Do you think it's... I'm not being racist, but do you think it's because when we were younger, we had such a limited choice of what we could watch like, people would watch Casualty, and then we'd watch, like, Gladiators and stuff like that and Noel's House Party. Whereas today, if you told a child to watch something like that, they would swear at you and use swear words that they'd listen to, like, Gareth speaking and things like that, which would be absolutely <laughs> disgusting. So, yeah, video game soundtracks, Gareth. What, which ones came in? <laughs> okay, I'll just... Believe it or not, I'm just going to list them off for you. Thank you. Oh, uh, a list. Yeah. Uh, so our lowest entry uh, came at number 244 and it was Marty O'Donnell's music from the Halo series 
which yeah. we all we all know nice. very well. Uh, at 193 was Gustavo Santoaya's music for The Last of Us, yeah. which I was very happy to see. Uh, at 163 was uh, Glenn Stafford's uh, music for the sound uh, for the StarCraft games, yeah. which is good because I feel like. Starcraft doesn't get its due for music. It doesn't. Uh, number 84 uh, was Koji Kondo for The Legend of Zelda. Which we all like because it's Koji Kondo. Um, yep, Grant Kirkhope came in 59th for Kingdoms of Amalur. <clears throat> uh, Russell Brower came in 53rd for World of Warcraft. Uh, Grant Kirkhope came in 41st for Vivi Piñata and 13th for Banjo-Kazooie that's blimey <laughs> that's, <laughs> some, that, that's some people who haven't listened to game music for a very long time haven't they <laughs> yeah <laughs> they've played games for a while uh, Yoko Shimomura uh, came in 30th for Kingdom Hearts Jeremy Sewell came in 11th for The Elder Scrolls uh, and then Nobuo Uematsu yes. um Came in 118th for Blue Dragon and 9th for Final Fantasy. So that's our highest entry. Came in 9th in the top 300 with Final Fantasy. Uh, so thanks to Noboro for all the great music. Thank you, Noboro. Or as we like to call him, <laughs> Nob. As he's known to his friends, Little Nobby there. It was his fantastic. Gareth, <laughs> you okay there? <laughs> Did you know that the Undertaker's son is Ginger? Really? Yeah. Well, Don't tell would, him I said that. would make sense because <laughs> Kane's Ginger and he's the Undertaker's brother. Ah, there you go. So he's in the family, obviously. It's in the family genes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry, Gareth. I've just got. I've had a really blocked up nose lately. Sorry about that. Football nice. Manager Classic 2015 <laughs> coming out on mobile devices. Now. You used to love Football Manager, didn't you, Gareth? And Football Manager's on, amazing. It is. But didn't you just think to yourself, man, all these stats. If I wanted to work in an office, or if I wanted to work, I'd bloody well do it. So, uh. <clears throat> what is it about being a Football Manager that actually inspires you, Gareth? Uh, it's the, the level of depth. Uh. Um, the, <laughs> the, uh, the sense of power. Yeah, the uh, ability to do whatever you want whenever you want if you want to take the striker and put him in net you can do that oh my god you You can't say stuff like that that's Americanized what is put him in net isn't that like a hockey term the goal has a net in it That's, that's pretty standard I suppose but I do actually enjoy football management games but like I said when they started to get like you have to do everything from like, what the players eating, what they're they're sleeping with, what is what that. I just want to go back to the simple times of you get in the net, you get up front, let's play football. And I think that's what they're aspiring to. Because you can't sit there on the bus going into great depth. It has to be quick, it has to be uh, quick, fast, and it has to be number one enjoyable. <laughs> it'd be a pretty good bus game you know start yeah. a, a match against Crystal Palace and then by the time you get off the bus you find out you've lost 4-0 dream 
Yeah, like Man City lost to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace are doing really good now that Alan Pardew has taken over. They just um, sold some of that Palace and then they had enough for any players. Way! Gareth, don't, because Crystal Palace actually burnt down a few years ago. So Ooh. that's quite an incentive thing to say. Well, I apologise to anybody who lived in a Crystal Palace and remind them not to throw stones. Do you remember the Crystal Maze? Yep. Yeah. Um, no, but seriously, the Crystal Palace is the thing. If you go to Crystal Palace, which is in London, and I'm sure uh, Don's been there as well, uh, it's just a shell now, isn't it, Don? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, been inside it for a while, but that's what she said. Right, so new Deus X game, Mankind Divided. Now, this is obviously going to be people divided over the whole bionic upgrade system and then you've got the people that are for it so it could be a bit like x-men uh where people were against uh mutants which in itself is a sort of commentary on our no- our own paranoia and our own hatred towards people that are different than us isn't it Karen? uh yeah yeah um but uh, i loved deus ex when it first came out uh, I went in all guns blazing and I was quite a dangerous fellow by the end of it. Uh, Gareth went for a more stealth approach and Don did not play it at all. <laughs> Correct. Oh, yeah. No. But it was a great game, wasn't it, Gareth? It was really fun. Uh, the kind of game that says you have a 100 options and then just leaves you to it and you just do whatever you want. But it doesn't say that. Well, no. You're misadvertising it. <laughs> It should. It should say that on the disc. That should be the name of the game. You have a hundred options. Yeah, it's more catchy than DU Sex. Yeah, yeah because what is a Deus X? Deus Sex? Yeah. Yes, you no do. No one knows. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, obviously, it's going to come out in next generation mm. consoles. It felt like there was a lot of freedom when I first played it. Uh, I didn't bother to go through it again and play it in a different way because I felt that my sort of my travelled route through it was my travelled route through it and going through it again would only diminish that feeling. But I didn't like the kind of binary choice at the ending. I don't like that. I think that's a bit of a cop out. And hopefully, I am being right, aren't I, Gareth? In that it was just kind of, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Press this to do that. Yeah, there were literally three buttons, and for each one you yeah. pressed, you got a different ending. So you would just save. Do an ending, load up that save, press yeah. a different button, get another ending. Absolutely. And you got an achievement for each one, so I don't know why people yeah. wouldn't have done that. I don't know why, but uh, yeah, it was it was a horrible, horrible ending. So such a free-form, open-world game. Not open-world, but open-ended game that I feel uh, really let it down. And it was very uh, sort of misinformed in the fact that they went down and chose that route. But Don, you can still play it now. You can pick it up for something like three pounds, something ridiculous. <clears throat> I could, I could pop it in my Xbox 360 and play it right now because I've had it for ages. What? My God, <laughs> oh, it gets worse, doesn't it? <laughs> you, you think it can't, and then it always yeah. does. It's yeah. like it's not even the fact that he's not aware of these great games. He is aware because he's got them all on his shelf. Yep. Some of them even in their cellophane still. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what makes it even more annoying. If you were just oblivious, we could be like, oh, you know, he's just a little bit oblivious towards it, and, you know, it doesn't really... But 
the fact that you actually went out of your way to buy these because you knew they were good and then you don't play them is more offensive. <laughs> it really is. And you love it. Hi everyone, it's time for your weekly video game music section with me, Gareth. Uh, you may notice we have a, a little bit of a zombie theme this week, um, and that's uh, thanks to our guest, which we'll be interviewing in the section after the music section, which is uh, Pavel Blashtak, and he's the composer for the soundtrack to Dying Light, uh, so we're very, very honoured to have him. Uh, and I'll be playing a track from Dying Light in the music section, but I'll also be playing a track from another game with zombies in it, uh, Resident Evil 5, uh, a game a lot of people kind of shit on, they think it's not a very good game because the AI of the second player was a bit lame, uh, but because I always played it in co-op, I didn't have that issue, so I absolutely loved Resident Evil 5. I think the soundtrack is actually quite good, uh, it's very effective at setting a mood. Um, so the first track I'll be playing is from Resident Evil 5, uh, and it's called... what's it called? It's called Two on Two. And it plays right uh, just before the climactic battle of games because it's a really uh, good, good epic piece of music. And then the piece I would like to play in uh, that's been composed by Pavel, our guest, is from the Dynamite soundtrack and it's called Horizon. And it's the uh, music that plays uh, basically over the main menu of the game. Uh, it really, really sets the atmosphere of the game. And uh, yeah, so that's a few pieces of music. Resident Evil 5, uh, the track is 212, and then from Dining Light, the track is Horizon, stay tuned for our interview with the composer of the soundtrack of Dying Light, Pavel Blashtak, coming up right after these. we 
What a special guest we have for you for today's feature. I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say that Dying Light exceeded everyone's expectations when it was released and can now stand as a series on its own two feet away from Dead Island. From the excellent graphics to the open world setting, it ticked all of the boxes. But there was one thing that held it all together, and that was the soundtrack. It fitted every moment perfectly. If myself and Gareth were to sit here and discuss how it was composed and put together, I'm afraid it would just be guesswork. Luckily, during this zombie apocalypse, we have none other than Pavel Blenfrerir, creator of the soundtrack, so we don't need to imagine. Hi, Pavel. How are you today? Hi. How are you? I'm good today. It is very good to have you on. Um, your second name, uh, your surname, I have a bit of a problem pronouncing it. Could you let me know uh, how to, how you say it? It's uh, Pavel Blaštak. Blaštak. Blaštak, yes. Say it's simple, Gareth. Yeah, I think you butchered the pronunciation a bit. but <laughs> He did, yes. Um, right, so... Pavel, it's lovely to have you on. I love, actually love the soundtrack. I, I think okay. just, it, this isn't just, this is a truly, I even said, didn't I, Gareth, when the game came out, I said it's a brilliant game, but what stands out is the soundtrack, which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. And we featured a few of the uh, songs on the podcast. Hope you don't mind. If you're going to sue us, then it's <laughs> Gareth's, it's all Gareth's intellectual IP. It's run from his website. So, I mean, if you did want to sue anyone, it would probably be Gareth that you had to deal with. <laughs> we make no money off this podcast, don't worry, Pavel. But yeah, like, um, it wasn't, we knew Pavel was coming on, so you praised the podcast. Yeah. We got Pavel on because you loved his soundtrack so much. You love it as well, Gareth, don't you? You're acting like, oh, I didn't well, like I... it. It's <laughs> it's a... All I know is the soundtrack, I've not played the game, whereas you have a better understanding, no. Rob. Yeah. All right. So, how are you today, Pavel? Uh, I am good today. Yeah, I, I, I am. I am not uh, in work today. I am yeah. sitting home because I was uh, <clears throat> some laser operation on my eyes. I, I, wow. I don't know. Yeah, this is this. This was nothing serious, but uh, I am sitting home uh, today. And uh, yeah, and can you, you know, now see further than you could ever see before? <laughs> <laughs> no, or do you have no. lasers shooting out your eyes, <laughs> no. which would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I, I am sitting right now on uh, Hellride. It's uh, this is this is Techland uh, new game, which will be probably this year or next year released. Okay. And I am I am looking for for some kind of inspiration for well, no for. Further. <laughs> Gareth yeah. is the foremost inspiration of any musical composer. <laughs> uh, so what is this game you said you're working on at the moment, Pavel? It's Hellride. Hellride. Oh, yeah, it's a sort of little sort of indie sort of game, isn't it? Yes, no, it's not completely indie. It's, 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 it's Techland. It's, it's, it's our, yeah. our normal, normal uh, game production. production. But they, they were saying that it's not quite a AAA release. In the same uh, budget, but it's not really an indie. It's kind of in the middle. You know, I I am not really sure because Techland uh, has uh, something. Uh, Techland is can can, can Techland can do some magic, and sometimes yeah. 
uh, he he can uh, he can <coughs> make from from double 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 A to to triple A. It yeah. was uh, you know when we started uh, that island, it it wasn't triple A games. No. So, but, was it true but, that the the concept started on the place? Was it the it was the generation before the Xbox 360, wasn't it? So, like, sort of PlayStation 2? Uh, Dead Island or, or Hellraiser? The concept. The concept of Dead Island. Was it something... Because I remember seeing uh, advertisement for that game a few years before the announcement trailer came out. You know, the one with the little girl falling out of the window. A few years before that, there was a kind of announcement and then it went... It went off the radar for a little while and then it seemed to just come back with this amazing uh, trailer that got everyone talking mm-hmm. mm. it, it wasn't probably concept for PlayStation 2 no I, I, I don't think no um, so when you were writing the soundtrack to Dying Light mm-hmm. what films were your inspirations it seems to have a sort of heavy 80s horror film sound to it sort of Day of the Dead Dawn of the Dead that, that sort of yeah. heavy synth yeah, most most inspiration most inspiration was uh, was Day of the Dead by yeah. George uh, Romero because uh, because it was eighties and uh, what what was most important uh, Day of the Dead is um, seems uh, seems very similar to Dying Light because. Yeah. Uh, on the day of the dead is world post apocalyptic mm-hmm. is is uh, you know i think there's like two two kinds of zombie movies one one kind of zombie movies is when world is normal then some uh, some someone is beaten and then is you know is there's an outbreak outbreak and yeah. second second type of movies is right like you know it's it, it is not uh, it is not important who was beaten it is nothing about us it's more what what is happened after after whole world is is uh, yeah the is, whole world has happened it's happened after the outbreak has yes, occurred yes and mm. uh, day of the dead is is like like that uh, is yeah. is similar to to the light the light is is kind of post apocalyptic world and uh the people are in this in this the people in in this world need to live in this world they they are um, part of the world yeah they are uh i must check sometimes google tr- translator yeah i i, I they, think what you're they're tr- they're tr- you're trying to say that they're already ready for this world they're prepared you know, they're not surprised yeah. by it anymore. They're already living it, and they're already part of it. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes, exactly. So you're saying that sort of upbeat tempo. Um, it's it's not like the music of Discovery, and when it's first starting, you're dropped in at the deep end. And I think the music really does suit that well because it's sort of a heavy beat, um, very heavy style music in that it picks up where the action left off. And I think that's why it complements the game so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, 
And uh, second movie was uh, was uh, John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, it's it it wasn't a movie about uh, zombies, but uh, I don't know if you if you watch this uh, movie. I have. It's very much about an isolated city, isn't it? Which is pretty much yeah. like Haran in uh, Dying Light. Yes, exactly. And some kind of agent is yeah. uh, is is as. Snake Pliskin. Yes, Snake Pliskin mm. is uh, not on on uh, parachute, but but is on uh, some kind of uh, airplane. It's some yeah, kind it's a of drone. Yeah, yeah, some of, of drone. There's there's uh, he's he's um, he explored he explored the city and he needs some, find something. It's it's similar to to to, to the incline. To it's similar to Haran. Yeah. Uh, and it's you know it's very good music also very dark dark moody and since mm-hmm. i think I, I i really love music and i really love the movie so uh, for me was what is very inspirational that that you know i can find these similarities to 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 the light okay so with with your own sort of uh, background uh, do you play many instruments? Do you come from a musical background? Um, I started I started um, composing and playing uh, piano very um, very very late. I was oh very like, late. Yeah, very late. I was like fifteen years old, mm-hmm. and I started learning uh, piano. But I I always loved synths. Um, like Jean Michel Jarre, Commodore 64. Oh, and, I love Jean Michel Jarre. Yeah, Jean Michel Jarre, uh, yeah. Vangelis, uh, Tangerine Dream, and and of course Commodore 64 was was very inspirational because you know uh, Jean Michel Jarre albums was not very uh, was not so often released released like Commodore 64 games. <laughs> No, so no. I was I was really hungry for, for you know hearing hearing uh, new stuff, uh, new synth stuff, and 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 I really love playing the games on Commodore sixty four. So you yeah. know I I I fell in love in in seat in seat uh, free free oscillators uh, and and noise oscillator from from Commodore sixty four and. So- uh, yeah, you you like the kind of because obviously Jean Michel Jarre's album is the Images, which is one of my favourite albums. Uh-huh. There's that's very, it's, it's it's almost all keyboard, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I like Oxygen and Equinox and then Zulug. Yeah. Zulug was made. Uh, Zulug was very very eighties uh, because Zulug was made on um, em- emulator two. Emulator, yeah, no, no, emulator two, emulator one, and uh, it was it was album really really like like eighties 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 era. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, if there was a zombie apocalypse and you could only save one of your instruments, which instrument would it be? I think I already guess. I already know which one it would be. You know, it is really hard question, and I decided uh, if if 
I count uh, MacBook Pro as one instrument. <laughs> no, 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 that's not an instrument. <laughs> that has every instrument on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, um, you know, probably it, it was... It wasn't my my first uh, instrument which which I I used. Uh, okay, but but uh, I don't need uh, hardware instruments. I can say about plugin instruments too, right? You can. I mean, there's not going to be much opportunity to use electricity, so ah, okay. it doesn't have to be acoustic. But you could probably carry around your keyboard with the hope that one day the world will become a better place and you can play it again. You know, I really love Northwave and uh, Analog 4. Okay. From Electron. And these I are think... programs that you use for your computer, right? Yeah. Into your keyboard. Yeah, it's some, some kind of DAF, DAF Cubase. Okay, so you do you purposefully use old-fashioned programs rather than the likes of Logic, uh, Cubase and things like that? Have I got that right in that you will purposefully use sort of dated programs to get that sort of authentic feel? Do you see mm. what I mean by that? Not exactly. So these, um, the programs that you use to make your music, mm -hmm. are they older? Are they old style rather than using the newer styles of pro music programs as in Logic and Cubase? Are you purposefully using sort of older versions of music production software? Uh, no, I used uh, I used Cubase. Okay. I used Cubase Seven, and I I, I don't think I was I was using uh, Music X on Amiga yeah. for for Crime Cities. It was interesting because. Yeah, it was it was last. Uh, yeah, it was my first and last game, which which was making on Amiga. But I oh, so you've made games that long ago? You were writing music for games on the Amiga. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, I write uh, music from Crime Cities from Techland. The games oh, was okay. only, only for PC, and I used uh, Music X for. For for uh, Crime City's soundtrack, but okay. uh, from then I used uh, Sonar, uh, then then Cubase. Probably maybe I I I don't understand your question correctly. <laughs> not many people do, Pavel. It's it's not just because you're Polish. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of my questions seem to go over people's heads, and I think that's a problem. Uh, why do you think zombies mm -hmm. are so popular in culture today? Um. I don't know, really. I don't know. Uh, because I was, I was thinking... What? People absolutely love zombies. Yes, yes. I, I was thinking about that because because I am... I, I, I know why people... I, I, was, I was reading some, someday uh, uh, how, how zombie uh, was... Uh, was uh, was took in the movies mm -hmm. and uh, what is what is uh, what is what is uh, but but I, I i don't know what is so popular in 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 today's culture uh, yeah. i know why 
why I love I I can only mm, I think my opinion is that um, zombies are a little bit not a horror zombies are a little bit more like slasher yeah and uh, you know when when I was watching zombie movies when when I was young uh, this movies was sometimes more funny because because of slashing things than 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 uh, scary so yeah because i think like you say zombies can go across all sorts of different uh, genres they've been used in comedy horror yeah. slashers because they are just blank slates and they're very easy to use in games because they don't they don't require as much AI as human opponents, you know, in TV series and stuff. You know, a lot of TV series, as me and Gareth like to point out, it's all about the human element. You can have a zombie show, but never really mention the zombies, and it's more about the humans and how they survive throughout these outbreaks rather than the zombies themselves. No one cares about zombies, where they come yeah. from, what are their motives. They are dangerous. You can't reason with them. You know, for me, it was interesting this this whole zombie movie because because it was always some kind of apocalypse because of that, and the yeah. world was. And I was like, you know, I and a couple couple of my 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 friends, we was we we were alone in in whole world. We can we can go to every shop. Uh, we can take uh, everything for this from this shop. We can, you know, yeah. make uh, make uh, some special zombie car for <laughs> for devastating you zombies. You know, it, it was attractive. It was kind of adventure because you 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 know mostly cities are uh, are uh, very very populated, and when it's yeah. zombie outbreak, the people the cities uh, are empty. And this is some kind of attractive that that uh, you know whole world is like almost like empty and you can do everything and maybe that's kind that's that's that is some some kind of purpose why why zombies are attractive and maybe so for yeah sorry and maybe yeah and maybe for some kind of people. Zombies are attractive because you can do everything with this with this zombie. You Gareth can put knife. Uh, yeah. shooting right. and <laughs> yeah. using knives and and other stuff. So people like to think of themselves. Everyone thinks that they can survive a zombie outbreak, uh, but like you say, I think part of the appeal of it is people going back to caveman times and yeah. what it's what it's like to be a human. And we all like to think that, you know, we've got what it takes to survive a zombie outbreak, be a real man, survive off the land, when in actuality, a lot of people would just curl up into a ball and cry and then get eaten. Um, but, you know, me and Gareth and Don, we have a space in our apocalyptic gang, Pavel, if you want to join us. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know, because, you know, I... Uh, I have two kids uh, and, and yeah, a lot that's... of time. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you couldn't just run off and leave them. <laughs> I could imagine that. 
you do get pretty attached to your children. I'm quite attached to mine. I'd have to bring them along during a zombie apocalypse. So uh, are there any films or game franchises that you would love to work on? Yeah, uh, I think I think uh, I I really love Nintendo games. Yeah. And uh, I think when when there's one game one which which I can choose for make music, it 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 will be Mario. If it was really dark. <laughs> do you think you could turn that? Do you think you could do the opposite of the work that you're normally used to to kind of do a Mario soundtrack? Yeah, sure. If if you if you can check my uh, Bandcamp uh, account. It is uh, some album like Days and Dreams. It's uh, chip, okay. chips. It's chips. It chips style album, and it's very positive because I like uh, really like positive music, uh, and I really like dark music making too. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so. very strange because you don't normally you normally get when someone creates music they kind of like to stick to their genre their genre which they pick, but it seems to me that you're someone who enjoys a lot of different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how do you, yeah, how do you get the inspiration? How do you feel, do you feel that sometimes you feel like making a darker, more adult style music, and then sometimes you feel like making lighter, more sort of uplifting music? You know, um, one of the one the one of the very interesting uh, talk about about uh, making music it, it it was from from one of the polish uh, composer that music is some kind of schizophrenia okay and uh, it's it's uh, it's kind of true because you know it is like there's uh there's some time some moments when i like uh, write dark music because i feel i feel uh i feel feel like you know dark music is 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 really it's really that's that's kind of music which is inside of me okay, and yeah. and sometimes i i really like to to write uh, very light music very very optimistic and uh, very uh, you know, hope, hope kind of music, because yeah. I feel I feel like mm, I feel um, good, and it's not not exactly. I think I I write optimistic music, which is like you know, it's it's the same like in in our life. You know, uh, there's something you have you have. Uh, Darker days, and you have yeah. uh, you have more lighter days. It's you know when I was uh, two days ago before my uh, a a i operations. I I was in more more dark mood. Yes. but you know be, be, before this kind of of uh, of med- medical uh, medical things. It's just really hard to write, write any music, <laughs> yeah. <I laughs> because to, you have you have some kind of uh, you know it's it is normal that you that you are a little bit afraid. Uh, yes, the emotions. Yes, uh, but but mostly I I like you know I think it's mostly that journalists like to uh, like to 
put a sticker to composers, registers and uh, musicians that they are dark people or they are they are uh, you know optimistic people but mm -hmm. i think a lot of composers uh, like uh, write uh, you know different different type of music because you know this is because music is mostly uh, mostly uh, writing what is what is in your soul so so you know the same like like other people you some some day you feel bad some day you feel you feel funny you feel optimistic you know it's it's but maybe john cage was <laughs> he he write only dark music yes and i, yes. I suppose with yeah. you, with the dying light soundtrack which i found most impressive is that at times it was very dark but also you could get uh towards the end of the game especially uh when when you follow it and you complete the game i won't give any sort of spoilers away but the music even though you use the same sorts of instruments there is you do you are able to actually put across optimism and relief and it's so subtle the shift between the dark music and the sense of dread and being chased to in the next part the same sort of music, the same style, the same instruments, but also you're able to convey optimism through it, which I found was very skilled as well. Yes, yes, it, it was not easy to, to write, but I think it was important. I, I don't want to make a whole dying light only on the dark note, on the yeah. dark. I think... Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, writing this music that uh, this music sh should be more optimistic because you know the people uh, in in Dying Light they they are living in in hard hard times, but they I they are uh, used to be to 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 live. They used to to live in 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 this apocalyptic world, aren't they? They're they used to it. They accustom. They they okay, have accustomed to, like, to it. Yes. Yeah. They they accustomed to it. So for for they, it was it was maybe not exactly normal, but you know they they have some some optimistic day. But they but but was what was most important, they had uh, hope. For, yeah, they do. They all they all have hope for the future and that. Yeah. Uh, things are going to be okay, and they're going to sort through it. And even with parents with their children, what, yeah, what, what especially came across is they have to keep positive for the children. Yeah, and it's they're really sort of... dark. Sorry. No, that that was what I was saying. Yeah, it's really dark. Yeah, the really dark music was in Call of Juarez. Yes. Part Part One, because uh, in in Call of Juarez Part One. All was dark, so so music was completely dark. They, oh, oh no no, that that was two levels when when music was optimistic when you uh, hunting for rabbits. Yeah, if you, not if optimistic you know, for the rabbits. Yeah, not optimistic for the right. rabbits, but but for the player was was like you know hunting and doing nothing nothing special and. I put some kind of optimistic music to mm. to to this uh, level. Yeah, so I, I, I've 
other than the Call of Juarez, and Die, um, Dead Island and Dying Light games, are there any other games that you've worked on? Um, yeah, that is a lot of uh, Techland games. <clears throat> Expand really uh, Chrome. Uh, they are also a Polish game with The Witcher. Okay, The Witcher, yeah. Yeah, and uh, you know, there's trailers, some short movies too. Uh, yeah, yeah, so you've worked in music, uh, in movies as well as games. And which do you prefer if you had to do just one? You know, this this uh, I was always thinking about doing m- music for movies. Yeah, but uh, when you when you're digging in in um, some composing process for for uh, music for movies and music for games and uh, what what type of music what composing skills you need uh, I don't know I, I I like writing music for for uh, actors actors uh, movies and it's, it's really it's really interesting but you know a um, couple years ago that was like gay music maybe wasn't so so yeah it's in my in my uh, opinion gay music was always interesting but i think couple of years ago it was still like m- music for movies is more important or something like this or more emotional legitimate and, what? People saw music for films as more legitimate. They didn't even think about soundtracks for games as being a legitimate yeah. art form. Yeah, and and that is that is changing. I think it's right now is is music for games very important. And you know, when I am uh, I am reading some uh, some composers uh, interviews from from the movies that the, that some movie come some movies come. Like one month before before release, releasing, and they need uh, to to write music in in uh, as fast as as can uh, as they can do. Also, they have uh, a tom- temporary tracks a lot. So you know, it's it's really really depend from from a lot of factors. And I can easily say that I like writing movies, music for movies or music for, for games. You know, it's 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 pleasure to make to make music for movies yes. or for, for games. But but I now maybe a couple of years ago I was I was thinking wow it's it will be good to to write music for movies. But right now I am not 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 sure which which uh, which uh, medium medium which medium yeah which medium, medium. you prefer yeah because, which medium I I am uh, prefer I really like you know I really like uh, making making music uh, for my albums like you know I I uh, re- releasing uh, two albums day yeah. of the day uh, day and dreams and uh, be zombie. And it was interesting because because you know day uh, day and dreams was was uh, t- type of music which which I really like to to compose like chips chip uh, chip style music uh, with with some sense 
and uh, it was really hard to find uh, a game or, or a movie for for put this this type of music into it. Yeah. And so so if you can't find a game or a movie, you will go and do it yourself. You will just yeah. do it and you will put it into an album because you feel that you need to get it out of your system. If there's nowhere to put it, then you'll just release it on an album. Yeah, you know, music for games or for movies always need to be for this game or for this movie, and it is not always what is sitting in your heart, what mm. what you you want to compose. And it was interesting because I uh, compose B zombie like very dark, uh, very dark, uh, very dark music, and then we found a Techland game. Uh, it was like. Eden Escape of of kind of Hellride Escape for iOS platforms, okay. And, and we put this this music from Bizombie to to Eden's Escape, and it it it, it fits in this in this uh, mood in this game. And it, it was interesting that you know I composed some kind of dark music, and then this music fits some some kind later. So it's kind of like you use it to store your uh, sort of inspirations that you get so it's kind of a library that you can then revisit if you feel hang on i've made something before that i think will go well with this game yeah rather than having to do it from scratch which is which is good yeah it's it's you know it's it's just kind i think uh, on the dying light because composing for dying light was uh, was very hard i it was some moment when i need to detach from the from the game and think more in my head what what this game what this game is about what this what this word in this game is about it was like some kind of uh, i i i a little bit detached from this game from from playing this game and i was more thinking uh, about this word uh, uh, you know not 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 watching game okay. not watching so when yeah. you're thinking of composing the music are you actually playing the game at the same time Yes, mostly uh, I do okay. because because it is really hard to uh, compose music without playing uh, a game. Uh, fortunately, I am I am in-house composer, so you know I have I have access to the game from a very early stage, from early uh, from from early beginning, yeah. uh, which is not every every time helping, but but it is mostly helping because uh, helps you get a feel for the game. Yes, because but you know sometimes it's hard because you know when you when you are starting composing with with all your uh, all your uh, you know uh, VST plugins, orchestral libraries, you know you have you have your your full you you have your full power. But the game is like you know we are making this some old game now it's like some kind of guy who is uh, with with some kind of weapon if, and he was you know game on very early stage is it's nothing like the finished game yeah it's nothing it's it can be really a lot of changes yeah. next uh, two years when when the game is developing and uh, and uh, sometimes you need this this you know more advanced uh, stage like like uh, you know, some kind of scenario, some kind of the characteristics. characters. You need to know what yeah. who the character is, what their motives are, sort of the human element behind it, and yeah, but... you need to know basically. So it's it's a lot easier for you. 
Yes, yeah, some you know, so being being from uh, being on the on the game on the developing realm from early stage have uh, some pro pro and cons. Yeah. Uh, so now that Pavel, now that games are becoming bigger and more realistic, is it becoming harder to write music to show the moods and what is happening in games? Yeah, yes, yes. I was thinking about this question. You know. It is hard to find find good music music mood for for uh, for game mood and uh, the Call of Juarez first part was maybe not so graphically advanced. Uh, it wasn't so you know AI advanced like yeah. Dying Light, but it was still hard to to compose t- themes and and you know finding musical moods. It was, it was, it was, it was hard. And uh, for Dying Light, it was harder because you have, you have, uh, you made music for for couple couple, couple games before. I think this is this this factor that the the game is uh, more realistic and uh, the game is has has more uh, hour hour to 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 finish it. Yeah. Uh, I think it is it is important, but it's it's not important because you always need to find some some good music music mode for for the games. It is all it is, and it is always not easy when you want to have your own road, own uh, musical round. When you you don't want to copy other other composers and yeah. And their, Movies or games, it is always not easy, and it, it is not exactly depends what what type of game is it, what, what or why 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 uh, or if if this game is complicated or not. You know, it's it is hard to find a mode for for Mario, and it's hard to find a mode for for uh, Dying Light because obviously you've got the story-led missions where the story progresses and i mm-hmm. suppose that could be easier to uh to compose for because you know who's going to be in that situation what's actually happening but then you've got another part of the game which is free roaming that isn't part of the story with the player just going around and doing what they want so i suppose it's harder then for you to have to compose music in this kind of situation where the player may not be doing much of anything, they may not be doing anything at all, but you've still got to make it interesting on the sound side of things, if you see what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, if composing music forms for story is, is easier as uh, composing music for, for other other player, player uh, movements. Uh, because you know, uh, composing for story is you know you know you know who is bad guy, who is good guy, and uh, and uh, you know it's is most more more li- linear composing yes. type. And uh, you know, I was working on this uh, when when you are playing Dying Light, uh, and uh, when you 
when you are uh, not uh, installing movies, you are hearing some some uh, atmosphere, yeah. musical musical stingers, and you know we changed it. We changed this the stingers, you know, couple times because it was still hard to find uh, good short uh, short musical f- phrases or short musical you know stingers for for uh, for we we for for you know. You know, without it seeming repetitive. Yeah, seeing yeah. repetitive. This is one thing, but second thing, with you know, uh, feeling Haran, feeling, feeling, uh, feeling um, games mute. Yeah. Wherever, wherever player player is, because because you know, and it was impossible to write linear music. It was impossible to write you know like five minute cues. Because mm-hmm. you know, write five even even write five minute cues was you know some moment that player was you know turned this music off. Well, that's it because the hard the hard part is from one extreme you've got you you can be just climbing around uh, the mountain area looking yes. for plants. Uh, yeah. The next minute you could be involved in a fight with twenty zombies at once. And the yeah. next minute, you could be just looking in apartments for food and sort of things that you yeah. can use to your advantage. And then you've got the whole section when it becomes nighttime, and it's yeah. you know it's more dangerous. The zombies are more agile. You've got yeah. the also the mega zombies that come out at night. So you write everything for the daytime, and then you have to think about okay, what are we going to write during the nighttime as well? So it's not just one time of day that you have to think about. Yes, yes, exactly, and we uh, we are also <clears throat> uh, when when night was co- when night is coming in in the light, we uh, put uh, more more. Uh, we think uh, when it's night, you know, it is the silence, and uh, we we starting to uh, to have silence. Playing first, uh, first, uh, you know, the night. Yeah, building we, up the tension. Yes, but we 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 didn't put the tension with some kind of musical phrases. We um, we more put the tension uh, on silence because yeah. when you when you are going in silence, uh, no no, when you are going in the night. You know the world uh, around you is is silent, and when you're hearing uh, on the night, you know some some paper movement, some small paper mo- movement. Yeah, is sometimes it is it is it is starting you scary because because you don't know what what this is, and uh, we you know is we we put this we we put this feeling from the real world. To our game, so when you are playing the night, first, uh, first, um, first moment you are uh, recognized, you are feeling that this this uh, night time is more silent. And you feel then quite when... isolated. Yes, yes, yes. And because that's that's one of the main things which I found was brilliant. And you say the silence is used so well. Because it becomes very tense when you know that there's three of the uh, sort of super zombies outside, and you can hear them, 
you can hear them sort of they kind of communicate with each other and you'll yes. be on the other side of the door and you know that you can't leave that building because yes. they're yeah. outside and all you have in your hand is a pipe yeah and you know the the slight briefing of this of this monster is more scary as us oh know, yeah I would be make whole whole symphony of scariest scariest melodies and and something like that and then when the music kicks in when they notice you and you're running from them you know that's that's what really kind of amps up the tension as well and you know, you know that you you can't stop and fight them because it will basically be game over and that was very very effective in that you never felt that you were a super powered man and you could handle anything that came to you you knew that if three of those were chasing you if you stopped or you fell over that was basically it, it was over for you yes yes exactly you had that feeling of nemesis in resident evil 3 where you just had no opportunity to to get past it but in your spare time do you actually play games do you own game consoles uh, or yes. is it mainly when you're at work uh yes you know i i play a lot if if in in work so some sometimes uh, but uh, i i really love uh, starcraft 2 oh uh, gareth loves that as well yep yeah it's yeah. a really good game because uh Starcraft 2 is not about only it's not only about game it's also how you how you manage with your stress and you know analyzing analyzing uh, how you how you uh, when you when you are very angry when when you when when are you losing how you you know you know Starcraft is really is really interesting game I think but I also, uh, also I, I like to play with my son Rayman Legends and oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and right now it's um, it's Donkey Kong Country and Pikmin. I like I really love I really felt in love in Pikmin, 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 you know? yeah, Pikmin, yeah, Pikmin. And what did you think of the musical levels on Rayman Legends, where yes. the music kind of interacted with everything you were yeah. doing in that level? It's really great music in Rayman and Rayman, and what I uh, really really like uh, with that uh, you know Rayman Origins uh, has uh, you know from from technical side uh, it's like I started playing Rayman Origins and then Rayman Legends yeah from technical side from from you know some kind of basis from my TV, it was a lot of improvements and it was, it was really interesting from technical side. From, from, composition, from composition side, it is really good music and, you know, they, they are using not very long uh, music cues and they really, really are good and in, in every moment of, of, you know, what, what the, the, the heroes are doing, you know, it's some yeah. kind of music or you know, this uh, levels in the in the sea. You know, musical, musical, music mood, moods in this game is is, is brilliant. I, I really love love music from Rayman, and you know, it's I think uh, a lot a lot of music ha- has a very high level uh, of of composing. Because but, what I like to think as well is that music now is not as memorable as it was. Uh, about 20 years ago because you remember stuff like the Sonic the Hedgehog soundtrack 
Yeah. Streets of Rage. I don't know if you ever played these games um, I, on the Mega I, Drive. Uh, I'm more playing uh, Commodore 64, so, you know, I really, really remember uh, Martin Galway, uh, mm-hmm. like Comic Bakery and uh, Rob, Rob Hubbard. Rob Hubbard. Oh, yes, yeah. You know, uh, it, 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 that was a lot of melodies and, and very memorable melodies. Yes. Yeah, very important to have strong melodies because it was yes. very limited in what you could do with the sound chips. So, like yes. I say, with Sonic the Hedgehog, because there wasn't as much available to the composers, what they had, they had to really make count. Yes. They had yes. to make it interesting because of what they had. And I think that was what made these very strong songs and Mario and what we remember today. Yes, yes. Mario is really great. And, you know, they, they are using some uh, the same sound effects like in like in uh, like like in uh like in like from from parts from the uh, in the newer uh, games yeah the newer yeah games. it's really cool because you know it, the same is with starcraft they they used a lot of sound effects from from uh first part and you know this is this is kind of uh, very very nice i i call that uh, iconic sound effects Yes, uh, yeah. it's like from Star Wars. You know, Star Wars is because you know Tie Fighters flying by. You know, this is this that is light uh, lightsaber. Lightsabers. Yeah, you know, it's kind of iconic sound effects. The same same as if music. You know, when uh, when you start to re- recognize the game because of music, when you start recognize game because of sound effects, it's. I think that's that's my my job as as a composer or musical on sound effect designer. I think it's it is it is done well done. Yeah, you you, you like you, you like to think about the music behind the games whilst you're playing yeah. them because you know it's your job and you like to compare and see what other people are thinking about and maybe get some inspiration from them and stuff but like i said i really enjoy your work um thank you and you know i hope to look up on a, you, you have a youtube channel do you have a youtube channel i know you've got a sort of website where people can buy your yes. albums but i have i have a pavel by music i can write write to you later how, how yeah. this channel is named uh, you know still still i don't have a lot of time yeah. For for you know uh, for for making movies for YouTube. It's no, like... no, no. A lot of people like to do movies nowadays, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. suppose you could always hire some Icelandic man to scream all over your songs. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Gareth will do that for you. Thank right, you. so Pavel, thank you very much for coming on today. Really appreciative. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you that you having me on this game podcast too. It's a pleasure. Yeah, for me too. I'm glad to, that that you like like my music. Thank you.
So, on to what have we been playing? That was an absolutely fantastic interview. And also, Gareth, may I just say that that choice of music to coincide with today's zombie themed show was absolutely fantastic. And I am a big fan of the Resident Evil soundtrack. And it was also nice of you to play a piece of music from the Dying Light soundtrack in honour of our guest. So, we thank you for that double. Uh, uh, double musical theme there. Uh, You're just going to say D double. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no. It, uh, I, I'm just, uh, I'm just uh, sort of. Once something gets in my head, I need to move away from D double now. Okay. It was a fight that we fought for the right for D W that we won, okay. and we've got to move on from it now. Stop trying to fight that. It's happened. It done. We got the rights there. We don't do it over and over again. Okay. But what we are going to be speaking about now as we do every week, is, Don, what have you done in Bloodborne? <laughs> well, I've done a lot of dying in Bloodborne. Oh, dear. A lot of dying. But it's been fun, dying, to be honest. Yeah. It's uh, one of those games I don't, you don't mind dying, going back to, trying again, get a little bit further each time, um, work out how to get a few more blood echoes each time so you can then go and buy some uh, uh, some better gear uh, yeah. from the uh, the weird weird looking faceless baby thing in the bird bath which which acts as a merchant are they kicking in Don you went a bit weird there (laughs) there's a baby like fetus in a bird bath yeah I'm not sure what they are they're these weird kind of spectral things but they're really small and gangly so they're kind of child sized Mm. Um, their faces are all messed up uh, they're all kind of spooky, white, glowy, spectrally looking, and um, they uh, they hand you notes kind of during the uh, during the game. But there's one in the kind of hub world bit, um, which sits in a in a bird bath, and uh, will sell you items I for in exchange for uh, blood. Well, so, I'm gonna actually yeah. look this up on the internet, and if it's not that, then I'm I'm gonna call someone to come and help you. Is that all right, Dom? <laughs> yeah, of course, mate. Okay, yeah. thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's 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 just such a good game. You just uh, you really it's hard. It's a bit punishing, but it's not so hard that you want to ever give up. It's hard in that way you want to keep trying and do better next time. And you've learned something each time you've played through. And it's yeah, it's Dark Souls, but even better because yeah. you you don't get so frustrated by it. You want to punch everybody. Um. I'm quite enjoying it. It's nice. And a lot of things that are good about it. The graphics are amazing. The lighting is brilliant. The monster designs, though, are just brilliant. They're, they're fantastic. I've said it loads of times before, even before the game came out. The monster designs in this are some of the best there's been for a long time in anything. Yeah. A lot of them are hairy, very woolly, shaggy-looking things. They've all got big fuck-off teeth. Um, and they're excellent. It's just really fucking good, to be honest. If you like decent games, you like a challenge, go and buy it. If you haven't got it already and you then, you know, don't let anything stop you. It's great. Don't let it stop you. And uh, you've been, has it kept you away from Destiny? No. <laughs> no? No, I'm still... I'm oh, still yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, okay. Gareth, what have you been playing this week? <laughs> <laughs> Only joking, Don. What have you been up to? No, it, we don't have to talk about Destiny at all. Oh, thanks, mate. That's all right. Um, but I, I've also I've also played a little bit of uh, Majora's Mask as well. Whoa! Oh Calm down, my days, Don. My days away. From I know, it's mental. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so I mean, I've not got that much further in uh, in Majora's Mask. I've not had that much time to play in it, but uh, I've got a little bit further. It's it's proving to be bigger than I thought it was going to be. I don't know why I thought it wouldn't be as big as it is obviously going to be because I've played Ocarina of Time and that was fairly large-ish for a game of its type in those days. Um, but this one just feels like it's going to take me a, quite a while to get get my head around it to really yeah. get through it, which is a good thing because there's a shitload more masks than I even. Realised. I don't know why I didn't think there would be that many, but there's there's Please like, there's like twenty masks or something ridiculous, um, and they all do different bloody things. Yeah, yeah, I am enjoying it. It's good. Same thing. It wouldn't be very interesting. That's that's true. Yeah, <laughs> but no, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm enjoying it. And that's that's all that anyone asks from you. Uh, you ask. Has anyone seen the Fast and the Furious Seven? <laughs> oh Jesus, no. Because apparently the ending's supposed to be quite emotional. My sister said they cried when they saw it. Yeah. So, uh, kind of makes... Uh, do, I mean, do I mean the end of the actual story of the film? Or do yeah. they mean like the post-credits kind of memorial to Paul Walker they've done or something? I don't know. But, you know, it seems that women are now interested in seeing it, aren't they? Because of that whole emotional side to it. <laughs> women. Yeah, bloody women. Coming around here, films. ruining our films. Yeah, ruining our films with their bloody emotion. Uh, Gareth, what have you been playing this week? Is it some sort of obscure PC game that people played 10 years ago? <laughs> no, not at all. I've been playing Heroes of the Storm. Uh, oh. It's still in beta, but I've been getting into it this past week. Um, if you'll remember, I wasn't that into it uh, at first. It took me you were a while. A bit yeah, it took me a while before I started seeing the value in playing it. Um, I only play as one character. Uh, as Tassadar from the StarCraft games. Um, yeah, you, I think a word you used was there was too many cooks spoil the broth. It was trying to appeal to too many with too much when it couldn't focus in what it actually wanted to do. Yes. and it, What's it, changed your mind, Gareth? Well, the problem was I didn't see any depth in it. Um, like, because there's no items, there's none of that progression... And everybody just levels up at once. There's no real, um, there's no real sort of incentives to play well, if that makes sense. Well, that's gaming nowadays. That's what we were speaking about <laughs> last week, wasn't it? Yeah, but um, when you start to realise that the way you win um, isn't the way you win in other games uh, like this, like killing the people on the other team doesn't matter anywhere near as much, like. Um, taking down buildings doesn't matter anywhere near as much. What matters is every map's specific objective. Um, Which is nice. Yeah, it makes because you every time you join a game, you get a completely random map. So you might get the map where you have to deliver coins into the middle to get the cannon to fire at your opponents, or you might get the map where you have to collect seeds to grow a golem at your base. Um, just tons of different ways to win, and I think. It is a beta, so there are still a lot of people who are shit at it. But um, people starting to figure out that the way to sort of win and have fun is to be fighting over these map-specific things. You'll get the occasional person who will just say, I'm going top lane, and then they'll just play on that lane like it's a League of Legends or a Dota or any other game of yeah. this type. Um, instead of playing the game, they're playing the genre, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, um, well, they're, they're just conforming to the old style of play, aren't they? Surely yeah. this will work because it's this sort of game, and that's how you came, Gareth. Yeah, exactly. It's like playing Battlefield, like capture the flag, and coming in and going like, right, I love Call of Duty, I'm just going to go around shooting people. And it's like, no, you want to be capturing the flags, that's how your team's going to win. doesn't matter how You say that, Gareth, but that does actually happen. I know, I know. And it's frustrating in everything, it's frustrating in this as well. But I'm finally at the point now where I'm looking at it not as, okay, so how do my League of Legends skills translate over to this? I'm looking at it as its own game and... How do I become good at this game specifically? And I'm having a lot more fun. I'm enjoying it a lot more. Going to be playing a lot more of it as well. Um, and yeah, it's kind of I've kind of completely turned around on Heroes of the Storm. So, yeah. well, Gareth, you you only took about two minutes to say that. Oh, sorry. Do you want me to stretch out for time? That's what she said. <laughs> no, she didn't say that. Yeah, she could say that actually if she wanted. Yeah, that works. Um, I haven't played much myself. I saw that Wolfenstein, the new order, was only £12 in CEX. Have you played that yet, Don? I know you've got it. Uh, I haven't, no. Fantastic. (laughs) Don't you just get the itch to just play them? Um, No. It's a strange, strange world we live in. When you finally get everything you want on Destiny, are you going to stop playing it and play other things? Oh yes, I am just. I'm still just. A, I'm a little bit. I mean, obviously, I'm playing Bloodborne and stuff, but I'm still going back to like Destiny, like most days, and you know, doing the daily bounties and stuff like that. Okay. Um, but I'm getting to the point where I'm doing those and then stopping, and then going and doing other things. So, you know, it's, so it's it's easing up. It's easing up. It's only taking two and a half hours of your night instead of all of it. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, as long as, if I, if I get the raids done early enough, in, done in the week. Uh, sorry, early oh my god, you talk about it like it's a yeah. job. <laughs> but you do. If I get the raids done, you know, early in the week, then I can probably have some means... fun towards the end of it. <laughs> yeah. In your, in your northern accent. <laughs> my northern accent. My yeah. really thick northern accent. <laughs> it is. But yeah, no, no, we love you, Gareth Don, where we know you. I really have not been playing anything this week. Uh, much Rob, to are, you, are you in a bathroom right now? I'm in a room that has a bath in it. Right, I thought as much. Yeah, um, sounds. It's got the it's got the oral, the aura of a bathroom, doesn't it? It, and, it does, uh, doesn't it? it? Has that that sound that says ah, Rob is in a bathroom? Yeah, Rob is in a bathroom. Sound. Now, I had to come in here because my girlfriend got out of the bath and she was in the bedroom and I felt that she was making noise. Now, I didn't want it to disrupt us as we continue the podcast <laughs> down its natural conclusion, as we do every week where we discuss the games that we've been playing. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't been playing many games. I built a animal shelter in Minecraft uh, nice. and a pirate ship. What? That but sounds awesome. It. it does sound awesome. And I did have a lot of fun doing it. And I do like playing Minecraft, much to my own disdain and my <laughs> hatred at playing it. Um, I do tend to really enjoy it whilst I'm there. Good. You know, and it's one of those things. And I would recommend anyone who sort of has trouble relaxing or trouble concentrating to just use it as a sort of therapeutic tool. 
and uh, you'll be surprised by what you can build from it. But apart from that, that's all I've been doing, really. Uh, my nose is hurting at the moment. So... What, right now? Right now, yeah. It's just got a burning sensation, which is why I went into the thing. But I do blow... I do t- when I've got a cold, Gareth, I do tend to overblow my nose. <laughs> Are you a nose blower? Are you one of these people that thinks, you know what, I'm not going to blow my nose because it just makes it worse? Um, I no, you've got you've got to blow your nose when it needs blowing. I'm bad yeah. at it though. Just it's you're so not good at it, Gareth. No, I feel like I always do it wrong. You do hold the tissue up. That's what she said. Your nose. Go on, God. That's it. Um, but yeah, my uh, my mucus is particularly thick at the moment. Mmm. Uh, it, it isn't nice, but you know we we carry on and I read Edge magazine and stuff like that. All my <laughs> So it's just one of those things and just really enjoying it. At the moment on my floor I've got uh, one about alien colonial marines. Do you remember how that went? How that turned out? It turned out very good, did it? Uh, I got a Tekken 5 one. That was back in 2004. I just love having the memories of gaming. I've finished The Walking Dead Compendium 1, the comic book. Were the zombies uh, the enemy, or were the humans the real threat? Funny enough, Gareth, you start the the comic book by thinking, you know, zombies, bloody zombies. But then you think, hang on, hang on a minute. This isn't actually about the zombies. I think this is more about the sort of human element. And uh, (laughs) I was looking at it, and more and more it became more about the people. And you start to think... You start to think a few a, little, a few pages in, hang on, maybe, just maybe, the zombies aren't the real problem here. Maybe it's humanity itself and the way we react to each other. I can't believe but, they were going to make a game just called The Human Element about yeah, the zombies. Yeah, it's too obvious. Oh. It's got to be subtle, hasn't it? You can't just go down the route of it being too, way too obvious. Oh, dear. Being the element. But, uh, yeah, I hope we don't all turn on each other. Uh, being where we are locked in here. So, Gareth, you've got long <laughs> hair. So, from the back, you're the. <laughs> so. Oh, Don, there is no way that I could envisage, envisage you as a woman from no, the back. I'm, I'm way too manly. You I are. imagine you, you'd be hairless, though. <laughs> like a yeah, baby seal. Maybe. Uh, is a baby seal hairless? Yeah. Never seen one. <laughs> Must go and I'll put that on my list of things to do tomorrow. Alright, bucket list. Uh, find a baby seal. Be hard in this zombie apocalypse, but I'm sure you could manage. Mate, I think it'd be easier, if anything, because you know you can get into London Zoo and things like that quite readily. That's true, you won't have to pay the admission. No. No lines. No lines. Zombie. Hopefully, the zombies will be kept out because I just don't want them to be the uh, walking. I don't mind the Walking Dead zombies because they're not really that dangerous. It comes to the humans are more of a dangerous element, aren't they? But when it comes to like the day after tomorrow and 48 hour days later, those kind of zombies, okay. now they are the real danger. Sprinting fuckers. There's sprinting fuckers. 
We'll be done for. <laughs> but anyway, that's the Game Central podcast for this week. It's been absolutely fantastic. Have you enjoyed it, guys? Been lovely. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah. It's a real benchmark in our quality. <laughs> uh, and the way you've edited that first section, Gareth, you know, because obviously you've got tonight and most of tomorrow to get it done. Mm-hmm. I just think you put so much of yourself into it and the th- sort of side effects were fantastic. That's what she said. Thank you very much. <laughs> so without that further ado, if you want to follow Gareth, go on goodgamebetter.co.uk. If you want to read up about things that happened a few years ago, preferably you can go to Twitter and follow Gareth at Game Banter, or you can follow my friend Don Goss at yipsyyipsy at twitter.co.uk absolutely fantastic we can look at our YouTube channel and also follow us on eBay but until then we'll see you next week bye bye